0: Thank you, Zach. That's another wonderful use of music that makes me want to sit back and say, okay, more, more. Give me more. You have your Bibles today. Please turn with them to Acts, the third chapter, uh, verses 1 through 12. And as you're turning, as you know, I always like to share a little some things that happened to me over the week and things that impressed me. And uh, one of the things that I read about was how Christians in Gaza and Bethlehem are occupying their churches now. And the reason they're doing that is because with the war going on, if somebody isn't there to keep the churches safe, uh, there's a real fear over there they'll burn them down. And some of these churches have stood for over a 1,000 years. Uh, And I I mentioned Bethlehem. Uh, You might remember this year, you weren't able to go to Manger Square if you wanted to and and welcome the, the Savior's birth. Uh, Before that church, they were so afraid of what the Muslims might do that they closed the church completely. So I would ask for prayer on behalf of the three churches in Gaza and the Church of the Nativity. If you'd like to do that during the week, I would be appreciative and you'll join me in prayer on that regard. Uh, The other thing was uh, something that happened uh, that I read about about three weeks ago. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever heard the term, do you have an elevator talk ready? Anybody have that? You know what I'm talking about? Basically, you get on an elevator with somebody and you say something along the lines of, well, did your pastor say something good this Sunday? Most people, if their pastor goes too long, they don't remember the sermon at all. (laughs) I always like that saying, there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. (laughs) But but anyway... um, this gentleman was about, uh, I read this about three weeks ago, this gentleman was traveling from New York to Philadelphia uh, to visit his, uh, his children. And uh, he's on the train, and you know how the Holy Spirit will, will move you to do something? And this fellow felt it. He felt compelled to stand up and give his elevator talk. And so he stood up, and he, he was telling the, the car, the train that he rode in, about jesus christ and what jesus had done for him over the years and uh he felt that moving of the holy spirit to do that and a mother with her son was sitting in the car and the mother stood up and said mister you need to sit down nobody wants to hear that you need to be quiet and so being a little embarrassed he he sat down and he felt the holy spirit moving him again to stand up and talk about what jesus did for him so he did. He stood up and said, I want to tell you about my Jesus. And the mother stood up again and said, Mister, I told you, you need to sit down. You need to be quiet. And all of a sudden, her little son turned to her and said, Mom, you need to be quiet. All he's trying to do is help people. And her eyes bugged out and, and she sat down. And the reason why that was such a big deal was the young boy was mute. He'd never spoken his whole life. And when he heard that man trying to tell people about Jesus, the young boy spoke for the first time in his life. God has plans for each and every one of us. And it's amazing how God will use us if we just listen to that little tug with the Holy Spirit. Acts, the third chapter. Now, Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at three in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, Look at us. So the man turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, he stood and started to walk and he entered the temple complex with them, walking, leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one that used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple complex. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, greatly amazed, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why are you so amazed at this? Or why do you stare at us? as though we had made him walk by our own power, our godliness. May God add a blessing to the reading of his most precious word today. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about something called reactions. And you know what I'm talking about reactions. We all know a little something about reactions. For example, when I said that word, you might have remembered this word. For every action in nature there is an equal and opposite reaction. And these words were written by Sir Isaac Newton back in 1686, and they're called Newton's third law of motion. And we know about the reactions that we get from certain things that we eat, drink, or are put in our bodies. Many of you know that I have a dire allergy to MSG. If you don't want your pastor to preach, feed me some rice with, with Mrs. Dash sprinkled on it. I will miss Sunday just the nature of of who I am and my allergies. But uh, there's also another thing that we get and something that I I like to call a vaccine shot. And many of you might remember the bad old days that we went through uh, when COVID was running rapid. And uh, I received my first shot, which was the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. And the nurse that gave me my shot told me there was a chance I might experience some unpleasant side effects. And, you know, it's interesting. They give you that shot, and they make you stay for 30 minutes just in case something bad happens to you. And if it does, they got all the medicines right there to counteract it. And so I I got my first shot, and it was no problem. But when I got my second shot, oh, boy. That was a totally different thing. Uh, I experienced some pain where they gave me the shot and I had a little low-grade fever, nothing that stopped me from doing anything I wanted to do for the next day. But the second day, I experienced most of the things that Moderna puts on their side effect list. For example, injection site pain, boy did I ever have it. Fatigue, my wife can tell you, I didn't want to get out of bed. I had headaches, uh, all my muscles hurt, I had joint pains, and I couldn't get warm. For about 48 hours, It was a horrible feeling to say the least. I was stopped dead in my tracks. About the only thing I could do was endure it. I slept a lot and I just waited for the next hours to go by. Now that is not to say that you should or should not get the vaccine shot. Many of you, if you're listening to your radio or watching your television, you're being inundated by get your booster shot, get your booster shot. Um, It's not for me to say whether you should get it or not. But I'm just saying, uh, if you do get it, you might want to consider getting a a day or two off after you get the shot. You might want to rethink your schedule so you can give yourself some downtime. But let's think again about that word, reaction, and the idea of experiencing a reaction. We know that reactions happen when things move, Newton's third law. And when we put things like certain food or medicines in our bodies, we know we can have reactions to certain pollens, grass, trees, or flowers. We know that we can have reactions to certain foods, like peanuts, ghost peppers, or gluten-laden products. I don't recommend the ghost peppers, by the way. (laughs) But is it possible for us to experience a reaction when we allow the blood of Jesus into our hearts and lives? Do we experience a reaction when we allow the Holy Spirit to infill us with his holy presence with all my heart I believe we do this morning I want to share with you three wonderful reactions that we can experience as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us three wonderful reactions that we can experience as rescued and redeemed people through the blood of Jesus Christ In our passage the Apostle Paul is preaching in the temple He's, he has just healed the crippled man through the power of the name of Jesus. And now he's sharing with all those who will listen that when we encounter the risen Lord, we can experience or expect certain reactions. That is to say, when we repent of our sins and receive God's Holy Spirit, there are certain reactions that we should expect to take place in our lives. You know, when I, when I was a child at 11 years old and I accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord, the enormity of what happened to me was such that I could not shut up. Now, I was a, I was a talkative child as it was. But when you introduce Jesus into my heart, oh my goodness. I, I know there was a lot of folks around Oak Forest Baptist Church that was saying, well, I know Ed got saved. He won't shut up. He won't shut up at all. But you know, it wasn't by accident that Peter and John went into the temple that day and it wasn't by accident that they stopped by that crippled man. Personally speaking, uh, I, I wish I could see all the ways that God sets up people in our lives and moves them to be in a certain place at a certain time for us to encounter them. I wish I could see them all because you know, most of the time I don't get it until I look back upon it. And then I realize... Wow, God wasn't pulling strings. God was pulling ropes trying to make these things happen. And I think the same thing happened here at the gates, at the beautiful gate. I think that God set this all up. I think it was the Holy Spirit that set up so that the Lord could show His power. I think the Holy Spirit led Peter and John to the temple that day. And the Holy Spirit had that crippled man there at the right place and the right time. I think it was all to show what happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to react with our spirit. It causes us to go from being takers to helpers. It is easy for us to think about our own pain, our own troubles, and our own little worlds. It is easy for us to get a little self-centered about our own issues. However, one of the great reactions we experience when we're filled with God's Holy Spirit, when we are born again, rescued and redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we become helpers and we become givers. We become people who focus not on our own needs, but the needs of others. Uh, When I was taking classes in in seminary, one of the things they told us, and they kind of mentioned this, they said, you can tell when a person is becoming mature. You can tell, because when they stop talking about their own issues and start talking about helping other people, you can tell that maturity has started to seek upon them. However, one of the great reactions we experience when we're filled with God's Holy Spirit, when we become born again, we become those helpers and givers. We become people who focus not only on our own needs, but the needs of others. You see this happening in the early church Time and time again, for example, in Acts the fourth chapter, you see where the early church made it a part of their DNA to be helpers and servers. They gave what they had so others could have their needs met. They took from the resources that they only had and gave to those who didn't have any resources or had limited resources. Many of you know that uh, I served in the Navy and served in the Army and I went into war zones. And so when I decided to join uh, a, uh, a patriotic organization so I could help people, I decided to join the Veterans of Foreign Wars. Now, American Legion's okay. All the others are okay. But for me, being in a war zone, doing the things that I did with soldiers, the VFW was a better fit for me. I'm just telling you that, all right? One of my, one of my favorite things to do in the VFW is to help with our ministries. You know I had one this morning before I came to you guys. But uh, another VFW in my county gathers together to make up about 130 food boxes to help out others. And believe me, in these times, it's never more appreciated than it is right now. But they they call for volunteers, and we all show up, and they fill boxes loaded with food and other things to help those who are living on limited funds who have lost their job or have suffered some dire emergency. They help out people who aren't even veterans. You might say, well, why do they do that? Is it because they have nothing else to do? Is it because they have nothing else to spend their money on or to give their time? No. No. The people at that VFW, most of them are Christians. And it's a supernatural reaction to having the Lord Jesus Christ in their hearts. It's a reaction of knowing and loving Jesus. It's a reaction of having the infilling presence of God's Holy Spirit. They felt His guidance and followed Him. And it led them to meeting a real need in Fremont County. They felt His guidance. And they did what they were told. The second thing, the disciples became open witnesses rather than remaining silent witnesses. Uh, I mentioned something to you about your elevator talk. You know, what's your elevator talk? Do you have one? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I have several, depending on where I'm at. If I'm, doing cha- if I'm a chaplain and I'm doing hospice or hospital work and I get in the elevator, somebody's going to look at my name tag and they're going to say, uh, Ed? Ed? What's a chaplain? And I explained to him who I am and what I do. And I have to do it quick because that that floor is coming up. And uh, so I'm very quick about it. I'm a chaplain. I serve people in the hospital who need a pastor, but the pastor is not available. And so it's up to me to meet their immediate needs and then contact their, their pastor and let him come and minister to them. But in the meantime, I'm there to help. And I'm here to be a bridge between the hospital's ministry trying to heal the patient and then the need of God to heal the patient's spiritual needs as they're in the hospital. How many of you believe that when you go to the hospital, you have spiritual needs as well? Most of you gone to the hospital have no argument with that point. It's the truth. And so when I give my elevator talk, I talk to them, and I say, it's all because I am a Christian, and I love the Lord, and I wouldn't be anywhere else. But the Apostle Paul, we find here in our passage is a long way off from the disciple Peter that we find in Luke the 22nd chapter. How many of you remember that Peter was a lot different during the ministry of Christ and completely changed after the ministry of Christ? Peter was a witness in Luke 22, but not the kind that anyone would want to have as their friend or serving in a church leadership position. I like what a fellow told me one time. He says, we're all lessons. We're either role models or we're object lessons. (laughs) You're either somebody people can look up to and say, yeah, you know, that fella's doing so much good work. I I ought to be more like him. And then you have the other guy who uh, you look at him and go, I know now what I'm not going to do in that circumstance. I know what I'm going to avoid. Role model, object lesson. Peter started out as an object lesson. Peter was the one who loudly denied the Lord on his crucifixion day. That is the one who wanted to be as far away from Jesus as possible. That is the one who wants nothing to do with Jesus. But Peter has changed. He's gone from being an object lesson to a role model. Because in our passage this morning, we find Peter eager to share who was behind the miracle. He doesn't take credit for it, but he uses the miracle as a way of sharing the good news about Jesus. His whole focus is on Jesus and what it means to be rescued and renewed. Now think about this for a moment. We know the old Peter... He could be a little self-serving, he could be very arrogant and braggadocious. We all know that Peter liked it when the attention was centered on him, especially when he was in a good situation. And what couldn't have been a better situation than to heal somebody on your way to a prayer service? I mean, can you imagine coming to a prayer meeting and seeing a crippled man being healed? And can you imagine as you're praying, that man is sitting there, and he's so excited, he's got the use of his legs for the first time ever, he can't sit down. He's got to walk around the prayer meeting. That's just the way it is. And talk about a perfect opportunity to focus all the attention on yourself. What better opportunity to start your own ministry, or have all the crowds focused on your ability to do miracles, But Peter learned something, and that's not what we see happening here. Peter focuses on Christ. Peter focuses on those around him hearing the gospel of Jesus. Peter focuses on them coming to faith. I'm asking a rhetorical question here. But what happened? What caused the change in Peter? I believe it was because he listened to the Lord, Ask him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, lovest thou me? Peter, do you love me? And that shame and anguish, I'm sure Peter thought back of all the things he had done, just like many of us do, and myself as well. Think back on all the things that we were a part of, even when we were Christians, that we are ashamed of, that we're upset about, that we would almost give anything to go back in time, And turn that page a different way. But I believe it was because when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result he reacted differently. Instead of the focus being on him. The focus was on sharing Jesus. Peter's reaction to the infilling presence of the risen Lord. Made him a witness of Jesus. Philip's reaction to the infilling presence of the risen Lord, made him a witness of Jesus. You and I are here this morning because someone took the time to share with us the message of salvation. Someone took the time to allow the Holy Spirit to react with their mind, their heart, and their soul. And they shared Jesus with us. It might have been a pastor. It was for me. Tom Hudson was his name. It might have been a Sunday school teacher, an evangelist, a parent, or even a friend. But it happened because somebody reacted to the infilling presence of the Holy Spirit and shared the message of salvation with us. I love that message of salvation. The reason I love it is because it doesn't matter how good we are, Jesus had to die for us. It doesn't matter how bad and evil we were, Because Jesus had to die for us too. Jesus doesn't look at humanity and say, okay, that lady doesn't need to be saved. She's got it down. She's good by herself. And that little boy, got to exclude him. No, that little boy was me, by the way. Uh, He's not that way. God looks at all of us And says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We are at a time in history when we all need to have more of those reactions. We need to do the best we can to be led by God's Holy Spirit and share the good news of salvation with our family, our friends, and others. The good news is not a message of condemnation, but a message of salvation. It is not a message of doom and gloom, but a message of how we can be rescued and redeemed and then how we can live this abundant life in Christ. I think about right now in the here and now, we have so many people that are asking to take God off of their, uh, of, of their plans and take God out of their lives. I was, I was looking at a political party, I not going to name it, but they had a big convention, and they argued about taking God off their platform. And they argued about it, and they argued about it, and they argued about it, and all these things came up. And then finally someone stood and said, pull out your change. Pull out a quarter. What does it say on that quarter? It says, in God we trust do not be so foolish to take the name of God off your political platform because you will destroy yourselves keep God in it and so they did and I was very glad to see that but the reality is we're living in a time where there's a big desire to say hey we got evolution we don't need a creator hey we got all this technology going we don't need a healer hey we got all these ways that we can go to and fro. We can turn on a television. I can interact with somebody, and I, I did that the other day. I can interact with someone in Charleston, South Carolina and talk to him like I'm talking to you now in a church service. The technology is there to do all these things. But I like what God says. So what? So what? You were never saved by a television show. You were never saved by some wonderful thing that you witnessed in your life, you were saved because someone took the time to come to you and say, you need Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And that's the strength of all our witnesses and all our elevator talks. Because you can can have someone point at the Bible and say, well, I don't think that Bible's real. I don't think it has any revelation or any relevance for today. I don't think it has anything to do with us. And then you stand up and say, not so. For I know what, who I was before I knew Jesus. And I know who I am now. And the difference between who I am now and who I was then is so different. I am so blessed. I am so able to help people. I'm so able to do things that I don't worry about so much because I know God's got a plan and God's got a purpose. And He's going to get me to where I need to go. And it's about God and it's not about me. And I want to be about God in everything I do. And when you've got a witness like that, all the world can do is either embrace you and embrace it, or they can run in fear. But the reality is that we are His witnesses. The third thing, and this is the title of the sermon, the booster shots of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that has come out about the COVID vaccine studies is they're trying to determine how long the vaccine is going to last. Will we need to get a booster shot every year like we do for the annual flu shot? Will we only need to get a booster shot every 10 years like we do the tetanus shot? Or every five or so years like the shingles shot? Don't say that fast. (laughs) One of the things you notice very quickly in the Bible is that we need our booster shots of the Holy Spirit We need to be constantly infilled with more and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You might say, why? Well, life can be hard. Even life in Christ. Life can throw a great deal at us. Sickness, heartache, money issues, family problems, work issues, persecution. We're not home yet. You might have noticed that. We're not home yet. The earth is an amazing place. But in its current condition, I don't think any Christian would ever say, I found a home. I remember when I was in the army, uh, we, they made us do what's called a Jody call. And basically, you're walking down the street in formation, left, right, left, right, left, right. And at one point in one of the Jody calls, we go, we like it here, we love it here, we finally found a home, Hey! And the funny thing is, every time we said that, all of us were saying, not even close. (laughs) Not not even close. I'm sharing a room smaller than this with 80 people. And we all have opinions. And we're all, I'm not going to go into that too much. But we all all are doing things. We're playing pranks on each other. And, And it's not a great place. But we're singing that song. You know, we like it here. We love it here. We finally found a home. And the reality is, all of us knew that's a big lie. Not even close. We're not home yet. The earth is an amazing place, but in its current condition, it's not our home yet. The earth is not the new heaven and the new earth we read about in the book of Revelation. We are waiting for that day when Jesus will come again and time will be no more. We're still waiting for that day when all evil will be removed forever and forevermore. The power of sin has been broken for us But it's not been removed. We still live in a world where we all have free will. We still live in a world where people listen to evil and participate in evil things. We still live in a world where the devil, even though he's been defeated, he is still trying his best to lie, kill, and destroy. You know, I have a television set at my house. And I'm reminded over and over again by my friend Clint and, hi Clint, Uh, I'm reminded he doesn't have a television in his house. And I'll say something, a cultural reference to a television commercial, and he'll look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I have to explain it to Clint. And the reality is that I hate the fact that I have to do that because I watch so much stuff on the television that I should not watch. Even though it's harmless, you might come to my house and you might look at what we're looking at and you might say, Oh, pastor, what are you you getting upset about? There's nothing wrong with what you're watching. Yes, but as you look closer, you see things and you're being exposed to things. And the more you're exposed to them, the more the devil uses it to push your moral compass ever so much to the right or ever so much to the left. And most of the time, it motions you to a place where you should never go. I remember when I was in uh, working in a ministry at uh, St. Mary Corwin Hospital, and we were trying to discharge a guy. And I might have shared this story with you. Uh, we couldn't get his blood pressure down. We just couldn't get his blood pressure down. And, uh, uh, they, and of course, any time that the medical uh, f- uh, faculty is, is stumped, they say, well, we might as well throw the chaplain in there. So they get me and they throw me in there, right? And uh, I walk in his room and I say, hi, how are you? And we're trying to discharge you and I notice that your blood pressure is a little high and he says, yeah, I don't know what's causing it. And he's looking at one of the news programs and the the news is very negative. And as he's watching it, you can see him start to turn a little red when something comes up. And I said, oh, ha, ha. And I'm not saying that because I'm so great and I'm so observant and I'm better than the doctors, Please don't hear that. But I can read, I can write, I can listen, I can observe. And it occurred to me that we needed to do something about that television. So I walked outside and I said, "Uh, nurse, why don't you go go back in there and change the song to the classical station? Let him listen to some classical music for a while and see if that doesn't change things. Because he's really hating what he's watching on the television. And so the nurse goes in and she does that and she changes the channel. And I go back in an hour and he's gone. His blood pressure dropped. He listened to some classical music and his blood pressure just dropped way down and off he went. The devil can use the littlest thing. Even though he's been defeated, he wants to neutralize your witness. He wants to make it so that you're ashamed to admit that you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. We saw it in our country during the last 15 months. One of the first things our government tried to do when COVID first came out was to close the churches. They told us that the churches would be COVID hotspots and they must close. And a great many churches tried to be mindful of COVID and went to outdoor services in the car. But that wasn't good enough. One city mayor sent his police to go car to car in the church parking lot passing out $1,000 fines which the governor of Mississippi immediately pardoned and squashed. Many pastors sued their state governments to regain their First Amendment protections, and even, and they won them all. Even in California, they won their cases. But in Calgary, Canada, and I don't know if you need something else to pray for, but I would give you Canada. You would not believe what's happening in our neighbor to the north. In Calgary, their health services and police department were sent to close an Easter service. And Pastor Arthur Pawlowski saw it as an illegal use of power, and he responded correctly. And if you get a chance to go on uh, YouTube and look up Pawlowski, it will amaze you what he did. Those police were there, they were going to close that Easter service, and the pastor said, you're a bunch of Nazis. He did it with all these uh, cell phones on him and the police. Thank God for that. He said, you're a bunch of Nazis. How dare you come into a church? How dare you believe that you have a right to close an Easter church service? How dare you believe that? And he, he embarrassed them and he ashamed them so much that they got up and left. In the power of God's Spirit, Pastor Arthur cast out those modern-day Nazi stormtroopers and sent them on their way. And in doing so, he, had a, he set an example for us. There are people in the world that see no need for church. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the saving message that Jesus died for us. Some even believe that the church is in a great evil. But everyone hates a bully, hates a government that overreaches and punishes people for living their lives. The reaction by the unsaved to that video has been amazing. If you don't see the devil at work in our present day, you are in need of having your eyes opened. He's trying to end the Christian faith. But he still flees when Christians speak out on behalf of their Lord. You know, I I see so many times in history when the church was on its last legs, when something terribly bad was about to happen, and they did the one thing that churches do, the one thing that's the most powerful thing that a church can do, called a prayer meeting. And they reconnected them fully to the will and way of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in effect, they called upon the Holy Spirit to give them a booster shot. Today, all of us can ask for the Holy Spirit booster shots. We can ask for the Holy Spirit to infill us anew. We can ask the Holy Spirit to shake our lives and the places where we live, we work, and we share. We can ask the Holy Spirit to make a difference in us. That we can always be known as the people who share. The people who share our resources, our prayers, our hearts, our minds, our souls. Our active messengers of Jesus. People bold enough to share with others who our Lord and Savior is. I'm reminded of people who are around Niagara Falls. And there's a certain point on Niagara Falls that if your boat gets past that point, you're a goner. And the neat thing is that people there, when they see it happening... They throw ropes to the people in the boat and they yank them out of there. They don't care if they're inconveniencing them. They don't care if maybe they should come back tomorrow. They don't care about that. They throw those lifelines to those people that are about to die and they yank them out of that river and they save their lives. And we need to be bold the same way those people are at Niagara Falls. Bold enough to tell others about Jesus and the way to salvation. And finally, we need to be people who are infilled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We can be people who are actively enjoying living out the abundant life here on this good earth. We can be people who are being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. People who are experiencing a life filled with God's anointing, miracles, and wonderful presence of God's Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we are messengers... We are your light in the world that is so dark and grows darker by the day. But Lord, we know that we need you. We can't do it on our own. We'll say the wrong things. We'll do the wrong things. But Lord, you guide us and you lead us. And Lord, help us to be the kind of people that when you say to do something, that's exactly what we're going to do. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.